Welcome to Pharmasoul Chronicles, They Said What? podcast series. I'm your host, Denise Morris, and I will be your guide through the ups, the downs, and the everything in between of my journey as a Black woman in the pharmaceutical industry. From triumphs to trials to those, you've got to be kidding me moments. I'm here to share it all. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the They Said What? podcast series. Today's episode, Marriages, Moves, and Misunderstandings, is a combination of different interactions that have happened to my career and, although very, share a common thread. The first incident happened while I was interviewing for a position. I was out to dinner with the hiring manager when he looked at me and asked, How does your husband feel about moving to California? Strange question, considering I had never disclosed my marital status, I was actually not married, and as a matter of fact, I was quite single. So how did I respond? I simply said, I am not married. Interaction number two. I was late for a client call, and when I joined, I apologized for my tardiness. The business development lead, a female I might add, said to the client, Please forgive her for being late. She just got married. To which I responded, I was late because I just got off another call. Interaction number three. I joined an internal work call where the person started the conversation with, how can I help you, kiddo? To which I responded, I'm not a kiddo and do not refer to me as such. And lastly, I was on a call where we were doing introductions and a colleague randomly blurted out to the client, she is from the Bahamas. This was said with no context and no follow-up, which resulted in a lot of confused faces, including my own. One can label each of these incidences independently, but in this episode, I chose not to. Throughout this series, I have used labels to describe some of the experiences that I have had. And while assigning labels to behaviors serve several important functions, I will admit that it can also have detrimental effects. Understanding both sides of this practice is crucial for navigating interpersonal dynamics and fostering healthy environments. So what are some of the advantages of assigning labels? Labeling behaviors can help clarify and articulate experiences that might otherwise be difficult to describe, It gives language to nuanced interactions, making it easier to communicate and address these issues. It can validate the experiences of those who suffer from them, acknowledging their reality and the impact on their lives. And lastly, it serves an educational purpose as well, highlighting behaviors that may not be universally understood and can help individuals and organizations recognize problematic patterns and the need for change. However, with that same token, labels can oversimplify complex behaviors or interactions, reducing nuanced situations to single terms that may not capture all relevant factors. It can stigmatize individuals, deterring them from engaging in open, constructive dialogue about their behaviors. It can provoke defensiveness, especially if individuals feel unjustly accused or categorized. And focusing too heavily on labels can lock individuals into perceived roles and may discourage them from exploring the roots of their behaviors. Categorizing these encounters into neat little labels such as microaggressions, 
stereotyping or sexism in the professional setting would have been apropos. But from my perspective, this would have also diminished the interrelated themes and the overarching impact. I will never understand why it was automatically assumed that as a woman, I must have one, being married, and two, would need to seek approval for the decisions I made. People consider the word kiddo to be a term of endearment, but to whom might I ask? I personally was not endeared, especially considering that I bought the same title as the person that chose to use it. I still cannot wrap my head around how my marital status somehow correlated to me not being able to be on time. And lastly, my country of origin was irrelevant to the meeting, my competency, or any scientific conversation we were about to have. Yet in the end, each example demonstrated a different facet of how personal lines or limits are crossed and how collectively they underscore a disregard for boundaries and individualism, undermining one's professional stature. Now, while the incidents highlighted in this episode reflect individual experiences, they also reflect a broader cultural and genera generational influence on workplace dynamics. These interactions stem from individuals originating from either a highly patriarchal society or belonging to an older generation, where traditional roles and expectations often dictated behavior and communication styles. Such backgrounds can inadvertently influence how individuals interact with colleagues, especially in contexts that challenge their conventional perceptions. Patriarchal societies, for instance, may have ingrained expectations about gender roles, marital status, and professional conduct, leading to assumptions and comments that seem out of place in more diverse and egalitarian settings. When these societal customs intersect with professional environments, they can create scenarios where personal questions or comments come across as intrusive or demeaning. Similarly, generational differences can play a significant role in workplace interactions. Older generations may use terms like kiddo as an attempt to establish rapport or convey affection, not realizing that such terms can undermine a colleague's authority. These generational perspectives can clash with newer and alternative views where competence is prioritized over blind respect. All in all, this episode underscores interactions influenced by cultural and generational divides where traditional workplace norms collide with the expectations of the newer generation. The contrast between these practices and the emerging professional ethos highlights a workplace culture at a crossroads with a broader cultural shift towards valuing proficiency and innovation over conformity. Moving forward requires a collective effort to recognize and adjust these antiquated attitudes, ushering in a space that prioritizes respect for personal boundaries and individual contributions. This shift is vital for ensuring that the scientific field is welcoming and supportive of all of its members, facilitating a culture where diversity is seen as a strength rather than a point of contention. The transition towards a more inclusive and understanding workplace is not without its challenges, however, but acknowledging the role of cultural and generational influences in shaping these dynamics is a critical step into getting to a place where every scientist, regardless of background or personal characteristics, can thrive without the burden of outdated stereotypes and assumptions. And while I will not leave you with specific thoughts on how we address this dilemma, perhaps take the time to look at how your own viewpoints 
on what is acceptable in the professional setting aligns with where we are now versus where we are going? And are there ways in which you can somehow be an agent of change? Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of They Said What? podcast series. If you enjoyed this journey and want to connect further, I invite you to follow me on Substack at Pharmasoul for insightful articles and updates. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Visit my website, emeraldcitypharma.com for more resources or follow me on X at DeanWaris242. All the links are provided in the podcast description. Until next time.